you please be seated. Well, let me add my welcome to uh, Kirk's welcome. My name's Tim Johnson. I'm the uh, senior minister of the parish. It's a to be in this church, and it's wonderful to be all gathered together uh, today as a combined service. Uh, one of the things that I love about church, one of the beautiful, um, extraordinary, countercultural things about church is that it brings different people together, different ages, different walks of life, and it combines us together as one family. We belong to each other uh, in Jesus Christ. And, and a, a combined service is a wonderful way to express that because we gather together with people who uh, gather throughout this parish, but we don't always meet together. Um, and so a combined service is a wonderful expression, bringing those four congregations together an even greater diversity of people uh, into this one big church family. And we're thinking today uh, in our service and also through our training day about calling. What is God calling us to do? What's God calling us as a church to do? And what's God calling us as individuals to do? Now that's complicated, isn't it? Because we're all different to each other. So is what God is calling you to do different to what God is calling you to do, different to what God is calling me to do? Uh, because all of us have different callings in life, don't we? Sometimes um, we use the word vocation to talk about the things that we're called to do. Uh, vocation literally means calling and sometimes we use that big word uh, to describe the things that we're called to do. So let me demonstrate this and I'll need your help, Okay. Can all those people who are students, who are studying something, please stand up? School students, uh, TAFE students, university students, theological students. Okay. Variety of people who are studying. Um, okay, thank you. So that is part of what you're called to do. You're called to study in one of those locations. Now, can all the teachers stand up? <laughs> there we go. We've got more students than teachers, so that's probably about right, isn't it? Um, so school teachers, kinder teachers, perhaps TAFE teachers, uni teachers, uh, special religious instruction teachers, variety of people who teach different things. Oh, that added a few more people. They've forgotten, oh, that's right, I do teach. Um, what about people who work in IT? Uh, of some way or another. Okay, guys, we've got a bit of a problem with the computer. Can you no, no. <laughs> see these people after the service? Sitting down, plumbers, builders or carpenters? <laughs> what about people who care for children or grandchildren, part-time or full-time? Thank you. Stand up if you're a brother. Stand up if you're a sister. Wow. Okay, sitting down. Now, stand up if you're a married man in your 40s with three children who works as a minister in a church. 
Hey, all right. Well, you get the idea. You get the idea. All of us have different callings, different roles. Um, and if you start to do combinations like that, you see that we're all fairly unique in the different variety of roles and callings that we have. But today, I want to speak about what's our foundational calling? What is the calling that underlies all these other callings that we have in our lives and in their variety for us as Christian people? Our Bible reading today is from Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 1 to 11. And the heading in our Bibles, uh, if you want to have a look, sorry, I don't have the page number. Um, Marianne's going to come out and read it. There we go, thanks Scott. Uh, page 835. The, the heading in our Bibles is Jesus calls his first disciples. There's that word again, calling. Jesus calls his first disciple. Now, Marianne's going to read it for us in parts. So she's just going to start by reading the first three verses to get us started. Thank you. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Thank you. So here's the scene. Jesus is down by the lake, uh, Gennesaret. It's also called the Sea of Galilee, so sometimes in the Bible this is the same body of water there up in the north of the country, uh, but it's the same thing. And uh, Jesus is out there. I'll get out of the um, Sea of the lake of Gennesaret, okay, onto the shore. Uh, Jesus is there and he's, he's teaching the people, okay? And we know from the Bible that when Jesus teaches, people want to listen. He teaches with authority. We're told in this passage that he's speaking the word of God to them. He's bringing a message from God. And when Jesus speaks, people want to, want to hear. They don't want to miss anything. Um, there were no microphones in those days. So you can just imagine Jesus teaching and people not wanting to miss a word that he speaks, not wanting to miss a gem, and so they crowd in. I notice that it's not happening to me as I speak, and that's because I've got a microphone on, I'm sure. But the people, you can just imagine them pressing in to hear. Those up the back, what, I don't want to miss that, catching forward. And you can, Jesus is being pushed back probably to the shore as the people want to listen to everything that he's going to say and not miss anything. So it's getting squashy, maybe it's getting dangerous. Jesus is getting pressed back to the water. Now we also read in this Bible passage that there's two boats um, there by the shore and some fishermen. Can I have some helpers? Because um, we want to see all of the action of this passage. So I need some, maybe some kids who are willing to be fishermen for us today. Four, I think, would be good. Any volunteers? Come on down. Come on down. If you want to be a fisherman, you can come on down. Here we've got three. Oh, we've got lots of fishermen. Okay, you're not in the boats, you're on the shore. Over, over in Caesarea. Thank you, fishermen. Now, what are the fishermen doing? Who can tell me who's got their Bible there? What are the fishermen doing? No, they're not fishing at the moment. Do you know what? They have been fishing. The best time to fish is at night time. That's the best time to catch the fish. And they've been out all night trying to catch fish. And now they're doing what you have to do after you've finished a job, and that is clean up. Okay, so you guys need to clean these nets. 
Who likes cleaning up? Do you guys love cleaning up? Yeah? Well, they were there on the shore cleaning their nets. There would have been uh, bits of stuff tangled in the nets that would have got caught up while they were fishing. They need to make sure that they wash and clean the nets so that when they put them away they don't rot, okay, because you've got to... You've got to make sure that your nets are in good order. Maybe there were some bits that were tangled that you would need to untangle. Are there any holes? I mean, yeah, there are holes, but rips or tears in the net, they would have needed to repair that as well. So these fishermen are there after a hard night's work fixing up their nets, uh, washing their nets, repairing them. And Jesus has an idea. He says to Simon, Tim, can you be Simon? Sure. Sure. Okay, good. Um, now, Simon is also in the Bible called Peter sometimes. This is a bit confusing. So he's Simon, he's Peter, and sometimes he's called Simon Peter. Can you remember that, Tim? Okay. Um, and he's the owner of one of these boats. That's your boat right there. And so Jesus says to Simon, hey, let's, let's put this boat... Actually, does someone else want to come and be another helper in this, in this boat? Yep, come on down. You jump in here, Emily, and you and uh, Simon, Simon Peter, Peter. Now, he says, put the boat out from shore. So this is into the water over here. You better get in the boat, Emily. You get in the boat too. All right. Okay. And Jesus gets in the boat. Now, he doesn't have the people pressing in, pushing him into the water. He's got a pulpit that he can speak from, um, like this one. Actually, we'll move it over here. I'm going to be Jesus. And he sat down, which is what teachers did in those days. They didn't stand up to teach. They sat down and he speaks the word of God to them. And so he's able to continue teaching and the people listen to him as he speaks there. Now let's see what happens next. Marianne, can you come and bring us verses 4 to 7? Keep cleaning those nets. Are they getting clean? Good. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Okay, so Jesus has finished his teaching. Thanks, Marianne. Jesus has finished his teaching and he says to Peter, he gives him two commands. It's very interesting in this Bible passage, thinking about the different commands that Jesus gives. But he gives two commands in verse 4. He says, put the boat out into deeper water. Let's go sailing out into the deep water. And... Put the nets out to see if you'll catch anything. How do you think you feel about that, Peter? Not too good. What have you guys just been doing? What have you been doing with this net? You've been cleaning it. And what does Jesus want you to do? Throw it back in. All right, let's get it. How annoying. Isn't that annoying? It's a bit like it reminds me, at our house, we have to clean the house every now and again because it gets very messy. And... We put away all the toys, we vacuum the floor and for a moment it looks beautiful and you just want to sit there and enjoy what a beautiful house you have and how lovely it is. And do you know what happens very quickly? Someone wants to tip the Lego out 
or the train tracks out? Well, I think Peter and uh, his friends probably felt a little bit like that. And you can see in this Bible passage the frustration of Peter. He says to Jesus, we've been working hard all night and we didn't catch a thing. Now, do you notice a few things there? He's been working hard. These guys have been working very, very hard. It's not like they've been lazy. They've been trying to catch fish. They've been doing it at the best time possible to catch fish. Nighttime, that's when you catch fish. They've worked hard. They've been doing it all night at the best time to catch fish and they haven't caught a thing. Okay, now let's think about work. Is there anyone here who has worked as a professional fisherman? Could you please stand up? Have we got anyone? Thank you. I knew this man had been a professional fisherman. <laughs> Can someone stand up if you have worked as a professional carpenter? Well, he's gone. I was relying on that. Okay. Thanks, Miller. Let me ask a question. If you want to catch fish, I'm thinking of Nick, Nick Tyak here, if you want to catch fish, would you talk to Miller, who's been a professional fisherman, or Nick Tyak, who's a carpenter? Now, Nick might well be a good fisherman. I don't want to diss his ability, okay? But, are you tangled in the nets? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> Peter, he's a professional fisherman. This is what he does for a living. He knows how to catch fish. He knows where to catch fish. He knows what time is the best time to catch fish. Jesus, who's a carpenter, may or may know, not know a little bit about fishing, but he's saying, let's go fishing in the daytime. And Peter says, basically, I'm pretty sure this isn't going to work. We've been trying hard all night and we haven't caught anything. This isn't going to work, Jesus. But he obviously respects Jesus. He calls him master and he says, because you say so, we'll do it. He's obedient to Jesus even though he doesn't think it's going to work. Okay? So, out we go. Can you take the boat right out into deep water? Okay? Throw your nets in. Now you... <laughs> we've been working hard all night, Master, and the only thing we've caught is this annoying button on our shirt. <laughs> okay. What happens next? They hadn't caught anything all night, but when Jesus tells them to throw the nets in, whoa, all of a sudden it's full of fish. The fact that some of these are dolphins, I'm not making any comments, don't take anything by it. There would have been, there would have been more than they could, more than this sort of collection here. The, the, the nets are full, they're starting to, to break these nets that they've just been uh, washing and uh, mending, now they're starting to rip. Guys, we need the other boat. Get the other boat, we need help. Can someone go and get that boat and bring it in? They have to rush that boat out, bring it over to help with the nets. Okay. But there's so many fish that the boats are sinking. These are boats that are designed for fishing and there is simply so many fish that their nets are ripping, the boats are sinking, the fish are piling into the boats and the boats are going under. It is chaos, it's crazy. This is probably the biggest catch of fish that these guys have ever seen. Thank you very much. All right, now you guys, how about you sort out those nets and go down here and you can head back to your seats for helping. Except for you, 
Simon Peter. I need you to stay, but you can put your net down. And Marianne's going to read us the last bit of the Bible reading. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and followed him. Now, is anyone else surprised by Peter's reaction here? We kind of know the story, and so we know what happens, but when you stop and think about it, this is remarkable. Here's this guy who's been a professional fisherman, and this is the biggest catch of fish he's probably ever seen. This is big bucks for them. If they've got two boats full of fish, so much so that they're, they're sinking, this is the highlight of his career. And this would have been worth money which would have lasted him perhaps for weeks and, and months with all of these fish. You would expect him to be jumping around, celebrating, high-fiving his mates, thinking this is the best thing ever, but he doesn't. You get down on your knees and you say to Jesus, go away. Go away from me. Get away from me because I'm a sinful man. Thanks, Tim. You can go and sit down. And what you see here when you've got this interaction with Peter is it reminds us of a series of interactions that you see throughout the Bible where someone has an encounter with God. This is what happens when a person meets God. Throughout the Old Testament you see situations where a person has an overwhelming experience of God and being close to God, coming into God's presence, seeing God in all of his radiant, perfect, purity, his holiness, his stunning goodness. And when that happens, when a person comes face to face with God, sees him for who he is, sees him for what he is, the immediate reaction isn't, this is great, I'm here with God. It's, oh no, look at me, I'm full of sin, I'm full of failing, and I've come into the presence of God, and if God does not get away from me, I'm dead, I'm gone. I cannot stand the purity and the holiness of this great God that I'm in the presence of. And here you've got Peter with Jesus. He sees what Jesus has done. He experiences something of Jesus' power and majesty and goodness and it's exactly the same. He says, go away from me because I'm a sinful man. He recognises his own sin when he comes face to face with God himself, Jesus, who is God in human flesh. Now, maybe you felt like that yourself. Maybe you've had an experience sometime in the past where you've just had an experience of God in his fullness, in his goodness, his presence with you, and maybe that was your reaction as well. A sudden awareness of your own sin when compared with the greatness and holiness of God. That's happened to me on occasions where the more I understand how great God is, how perfect God is. It just highlights my own failing and my need for God. And maybe actually you're someone here who is investigating Jesus right now and you're at that point where the more that you learn about God, the more that you learn about Jesus, the more you think, ah, he wouldn't want me because I'm just so aware of the dark past that I have, 
of the things that pass through my mind that shouldn't be there, of the things that I've done that would mean that God wouldn't want me and I just need to say, go away from me, God. I can't be near you. You'll destroy me if you come too close. I'm sinful. And this experience for Peter actually mirrors what goes on in our own lives and what happens next is very instructive because on all of these occasions the reaction from God and in this instance the reaction from Jesus is not, yeah, you know what, Peter? I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that you were a dirty sinner and I don't want anything to do with you. That's not what Jesus says, is it? Jesus knows Peter's heart, he knows his sin, he knows his failings and rather than rejecting him and sending him away, he embraces him in love, in forgiveness. More than that, he actually gives him a new task, a new calling, a new vocation. Peter's been a fisherman, it's been his full-time job catching fish and Jesus says to him, I've got a new calling for you, I've got a new job. Rather than catching fish, now I want you to catch people. That kind of sounds negative to us, doesn't it? Because when you catch a fish, what happens? It dies, you put it on a plate, you cook it up. But catching people is a positive. It's not catching people that they might die, but the opposite, that they might live. Jesus is calling Peter to follow after him and call people to be in a relationship with Jesus that they might experience the same, the love, the forgiveness, the fullness of life that Jesus wants to offer. And as we come to the end of this passage, in that last verse, we read that Peter and his friends leave everything and follow Jesus. They leave the boats, they leave the nets, they leave the biggest whopping catch of fish that they've ever seen in their lives, which would have been worth big bucks to them, and they follow Jesus to follow this new calling that he has given them. Now, 2,000 years has passed since this incident, and we're not exactly in the same situation. We're not there by the Sea of Galilee on the shore with Jesus in our very presence. But at the same time, the calling of Jesus is the same for each one of us, isn't it? Jesus still calls people to follow after him, to leave other things behind, to follow him, to listen to his voice and to do the task that he's called us to do. Jesus calls each one of us as individual people to follow him and Jesus still calls us as a church community as a parish, to follow him. Now, for us as individuals, as I said at the beginning, we've all got different callings in life. We've got different roles. We've got different responsibilities. Our jobs look different to each other. But for all of us, our primary calling is to follow Jesus. You might be a school student here today, a son or a daughter, but your primary calling is to follow Jesus and to work out how do I best follow Jesus while I'm at school, while I study, while I hang out with my friends and as I relate to my parents. You might be a parent, a worker, maybe you're a teacher or a builder or a cleaner or whatever. The primary calling that you have which underlies all others is to follow Jesus and to work out what does it mean to follow Jesus as I work and do these things as I look after my children and relate to my friends. You might be a single person, a friend, 
a brother, a sister, your primary calling is to follow Jesus and to work out how do I best follow Jesus and bring that into the relationships that I have with my friends in the community. You might be a grandparent, you might have retired from work and you're thinking, what does the next part of life look like for me? Your primary calling is to follow Jesus and to work out how do I best follow Jesus in my retirement uh, with new time that I can choose how I use. How do I follow Jesus' calling in that? What's he asking me to do and how do I serve him and follow after him in that? You get the idea? I could go on. But the idea for all of us, whatever our unique circumstances, relationships, work, different parts of our life, the primary calling is to follow Jesus and to work out what does it look like to follow Jesus in those different parts of my life. Everything comes under that call and everything is shaped by that relationship. And the same is true for us as a church community. Jesus is calling us collectively to listen to him, to follow him and to be willing to leave things behind to follow his call. Our job as a church and as individuals is to listen to Jesus' voice and to ask the question, what's Jesus calling us to do? What's he asking us to do? What is next for us and what does it look like to follow Jesus in the days and years ahead? That's one of our big questions for this year, as well as celebrating uh, 150 years of uh, the church here at St John's this year. We're also thinking about our vision for the next five years and beyond. What does it look like to follow Jesus' calling in the year ahead? What does it look like to listen to Jesus and to follow him? Now, you might have your own ideas about that. I might have my ideas about that. But the key question is not what do I want, not what do any one of us want, but what does Jesus want and what is Jesus calling us to do and will we be willing to follow and leave things behind in order to follow? We might need to lay other things aside, things that we've been familiar with, like these fishermen did. We might need to head in new directions to follow him. We don't know. We need to listen and we need to follow wherever he will lead us. The primary calling for all of us as Christians is to follow after Jesus. And that fundamental relationship shapes all of the other relationships and underlies everything that we do. For us as individuals, and us as a church, following Jesus wherever he'll lead us. So let me pray for us as we do that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, true story that we see uh, in Luke's Gospel. We thank you for this encounter where uh, you called uh, Peter and his friends to follow you. We thank you that they glimpsed your majesty, your power, how great you are, and they were willing to follow. And so we ask that you would open our eyes as individuals, as a church, to see your greatness. And uh, in seeing your greatness, in seeing how wonderful you are, that we would be willing to follow wherever you would call us to go. Help us to open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to hear your voice and give us the will to be able to obediently follow wherever you might call us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.